But why is supported by Progressive, home of the Name Your Price tool? You say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. It's easy to start a quote. Visit Progressive.com to get started. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, price and coverage match limited by state law. We really hope that a big asteroid doesn't smack into us right now because it would interrupt this podcast. This is But Why, a podcast for curious kids from VPR, Vermont Public Radio. My name is Jane Lindholm. Thanks for joining us. On But Why, we let you ask the questions and then we help find the answers. I bet you're a curious kid yourself, and I bet you've got lots of questions in your head. So if you have one you want us to answer, ask an adult, maybe a parent, to help you record it and send it to us. Send it to questions at butwhykids.org, and we'll get to work finding the answer. It can be anything, big or small, serious or just silly, like why is my hair curly, or where does laughter come from? In our last episode, we had a question about how bears are able to sleep all winter long. If you missed it, go back and check out that episode. Today, we're going to start off this podcast with a big question. A really big question. And I want to warn your parents that it might be a little scary, so maybe they want to listen first and see if it's something you'd like to learn about. Our question comes from Charlie. He's seven years old, and he lives in Kent, Connecticut. What is the end of the world going to feel like? See, I told you, really big. Charlie wants to know what the end of the world is going to feel like. And that could sound kind of scary. So we're asking someone first who can tell us all about the science. I am uh, John O'Mara. John's a physics and astronomy professor. Physics is the study of matter, or what stuff is made of at its most basic, things like atoms, and how stuff moves through space and time. Astronomy means he studies the moon, stars, and planets, and everything else that's out there when you look up at the sky at night, and our own Earth. Let's go back to Charlie's question and hear it again. What is the end of the world going to feel like? What is the end of the world going to feel like? Well, Charlie, that is a very, very good question. And and, and, and a a question that's very interesting because it really depends on how the world ends. It depends on even what you mean. Do you you mean actually the end of the earth, the entire earth? or, Or do you mean the end of of all living beings on Earth? And how we answer that question depends really on which end of the world you mean. But as an astronomer, I can think of a couple of different ways. One of them is is something that you probably already know about, which is when something really big hits the Earth. We have neat evidence that the reason why we have the moon is that very early on in the solar system, something about the size of Mars hit the Earth and broke off and solidified and formed the moon that we have today. And we also have giant crater features on the Earth and crater features all over all of the bodies on the solar system. And that tells us that big things hit planets all the time. And many millions of years ago, hundreds of millions of years ago and 65 millions of years ago, big things hit the Earth and did a lot of damage. When they smack into the ground, if they hit the ground, they kick up huge amounts of dirt into the atmosphere and that dirt blocks the sunlight. And if you don't have sunlight... The plants can't grow, and if the plants can't grow, the things that eat the plants can't grow. And if they can't grow, then the things that eat the things that eat the plants can't grow. And 
lots of life on the surface of the Earth ends. And this is probably what happened to the dinosaurs about 65 million years ago. We don't know for sure whether or not it was a meteor or a comet or something like that, but we do know something big hit the Earth, and that caused a lot of the organisms on the, on the planet to die off. Have you heard that theory before, that something big hit the Earth and that's why we no longer have dinosaurs? Professor O'Meara says this kind of thing is unpredictable, meaning there's no way to figure out exactly when it might happen. We know that it's happened before. We've seen uh, pieces of a comet hit Jupiter only a couple decades ago, only about 20 years ago. We actually watched it happen live with the Hubble Space Telescope. It was awesome. But we don't really know when the next type of thing or if the next type of thing is going to hit the Earth. So that, that, one's, that one's a little bit wishy-washy in terms of when, but we do know what kind of things it can do depending on how big it is and, and what it does to the Earth. There are other things that could happen to the Earth. The other kind of thing that can happen and that we see all the time in, in other galaxies and in other parts of the universe is that very, very large stars can explode. This is called a supernova, and it's one of the biggest explosions you can possibly think of. Stars 100 times as big as the sun going... And when they do this, they make a lot of energy, right? The sun gives off a lot of energy right now. But when something like that blows off, it gives off 100 billion times the amount of energy the sun is giving off right now. And you don't want to be near that kind of star when it happens. Um, when, it, when it does, if, if, the, if the Earth was too close to a supernova-type event, then bad things happen to the atmosphere. The atmosphere is made up of lots of different types of elements, nitrogen and oxygen. And those elements are very happy in the way they are right now. But if you whack them with a lot of energy, those elements can go haywire. And once again, that affects the plant life and the things that eat the plant life and so on and so on. Exploding stars. That's another astronomical possibility. Remember, though, just because it can happen doesn't mean it will. The good news is that we know where most of the really, really big stars are, and none of them are close enough to us to be a really big danger. What we don't know is where all of the tiny stars are, because they're tiny, they're faint, we don't see them all. And some of them can sometimes create a supernova of a different kind. But we're not super concerned because we're building better and better in telescopes and finding all those things. But we do know that these explosions happen, and so that could be an, another way. Um, in terms of how we would feel, we would probably see a, a, a very bright light for a short period of time, and, and then funny things would happen to the atmosphere, and then plants and animals and things would, would slowly go away. Both of the things that Professor O'Meara has outlined so far, while possible, are totally unpredictable. They could happen, but we don't know that they will. There's also a third possibility for how the end of the world might happen, and it has to do with the sun. Eventually, the sun will run out of fuel. The sun right now is kind of like an engine that takes the element hydrogen and turns it into helium in a process called fusion. And this is a really big source of energy for the sun, and it's constantly turning hydrogen into helium in the core of the sun. And that's what powers the sun and gives off all the light energy that we then take in. Unfortunately, the sun is also its own gas tank. It will run out of its own fuel because it will have turned all the hydrogen into helium. And when it runs out of its fuel, the inside of the star starts to crunch down and the outside of the star starts to expand. It gets really, really big. And it gets so big that both Mercury and Venus would be stuck inside the sun's atmosphere. And sometimes it can get so big that even something like the Earth would get stuck inside the star. And trust me, 
The Earth being inside the atmosphere of a star is not a pleasant place for the Earth to be. But we know when this is going to happen, and it's not going to happen for about 5 billion years. And the solar system is only 4.5 billion years old. So we've still got more than half of the whole lifetime of the solar system. And in 4.5 to 5 billion years, we can figure out how to get out of the solar system and we'll be just fine. Um, but that's one that's definitely going to happen sometime in the very, very, very distant future. Did you catch that? Over half of the lifetime of the sun is still left to go before it runs out of the gas that fuels it. That is a long, long, long time. In fact, it's longer than most of us can imagine. But it can still be a little overwhelming to think about the possibility of something like the world ending. So I asked Professor Omira how he thinks about that without getting scared. So even though I know all of these interesting, weird astronomical ways that can cause the end of the world, if you want to call it, I can be really happy for two reasons. One is I understand all of these things. And usually when we understand things as human beings, we can figure out ways around them. Think about like the asteroid hitting the Earth or something like that, a meteor hitting the Earth. If we know in enough time that something's going to happen, then we can send probes out there to change the course of the meteorite or something like that. Because we know how they work. We know how things in the solar system move. We can figure out ways to, make, to fix that. The other reason why I can, I can feel okay about this is because these, these things don't happen very often at all. And, and, and I don't mean not like once every day or once every year. But the timescales for these things are hundreds of millions to billions of years. And we've been around for only a very small time compared to hundreds of millions or billions of years. And because we've built really good telescopes and we have really good models and theories that describe the universe, we're getting better and better and better at predicting these kind of things and firmer and firmer and firmer in the knowledge that it is hundreds of billions, hundreds of millions and billions of years off in, into the future. And, and it's not something that we should really be scared about. If anything, we should just be happy because we understand the science behind all of these things and, and because we want to understand them even better and, and spend more time with really big telescopes figuring these things out. So he's saying if you're scared or overwhelmed, you should learn more about space and the scientists who study it, because knowledge helps us feel less afraid. And if we know something is coming, then we might know how to fix it. Coming up, we'll hear from two writers who imagine what the end of the world might feel like. This is But Why, a podcast for curious kids. I'm Jane Lindholm. If the end of the world is something you've thought about, you're not alone. Plenty of authors have written stories where they imagined what the end of the world might feel like, and many more movies have been made on the same topic. I asked one writer to tell us what she thought. My name is Sarah Stewart-Taylor. I live in Vermont, and I write mystery novels and adventure novels for kids as S.S. Taylor. And in my adventure novels, I actually thought a lot about um, not what the end of the world would feel like, but what it would feel like if there were a mass computer hacking and a lot of our systems that we've come to rely on went down, crashed. And it was really fun to think about how our lives would change under those circumstances. And I think I think there's some similarities with how it would start to feel 
if uh, in, in one of the scenarios that scientists talk about for how the world would end, if the world started to get a lot hotter. We know that the world's getting hotter. And a lot of things would start to happen. We'd start to see flooding, for one thing. We'd see people move from the coastal areas into the, the centers of land masses. So we might start to to feel really crowded. We might start to feel like we, you know, our our neighborhoods and our towns were getting really, really crowded. We also might start to feel a little bit scared about where our food was coming from because we might start to see crop shortages and different kinds of food might we might be able to grow different kinds of food, but then there might be some other kinds of food that we couldn't grow anymore because of a warming planet and a changing climate. So, you know, as I think about what it would feel like, I think it would all happen very, very slowly. It's not like you would wake up one day and everything would feel really different. You'd probably start to notice little changes. You'd notice that certain foods were harder to get a hold of. You might notice, as lots of people have noticed this winter, that there's less snow. There's maybe in some parts of the country more snow. Um, In some parts of the world, more rain or less rain. And we would kind of start to notice these things slowly, I think, over time. Uh, If we think about the sort of implosion of the sun theory, as I like to think of it, even though I know that's not the (laughs) appropriate scientific term. You know, when I think about that, it's so, so far in, in the future. And it's really, it's hard to imagine what human beings would even be like at that point in history. Um, it's hard to imagine, you know, where we would be living and what we would be doing. But I, you know, I, I have to think that we would, that, you know, that, that we, on some level, we would be the same as we are now. We'd have a lot of the same co- human concerns about wanting to be with people we love, um, about finding enough to eat, finding a place to live. And I think even um, in the face of something really huge and devastating, all of those things kind of still exist. For somebody like Charlie who thinks about this and then maybe has adults in his world who say, oh, don't worry about that. You don't have to worry yep. about that. Is it – I mean, why, why Why do you think it's good to imagine these things if even if they are scary? So – Charlie, I think I think you're so uh, you're so wise to to be trying to think about this because, for one thing, there is something that we can all do about one of the scenarios under which the world might end, and that's global warming. Um, we all have a part to play in you know in trying to slow down global warming, and so by thinking about it and by thinking about what you know wh- how that would affect all of us. You might be able to inspire yourself and other people around you to to do something about it. So I think it's great that you're thinking about it. I also think that you know human beings are so uh, we're so I think it's so scary to think about not existing anymore. I know I find that really scary. But um, it's funny. I was talking to my mom about this, and she she was a biology teacher for many years, and actually taught astronomy for a while in, during her career. And she said something that has made me feel much better about this whole thing. She said that if you think about it, our our solar system was formed from the dust, probably of 
some other destroyed solar system, um, from some other sun that exploded. And so really, we're all made of the dust and debris from another system and, and other planets and perhaps other beings that existed. And so if that happens to our solar system, the dust of our solar system might then be part of the formation of a new one. And so there's kind of a cool cyclical nature, I think, to to thinking of it that way, that that, that we don't cease to exist, that, that we could in fact turn into something else. If you want to check out S.S. Taylor's books for kids, she writes a great series called The Expeditioners. Obviously, no one knows what the end of the world might actually feel like, but it can be kind of fun, actually, to imagine it. So let's get one more vision of what could happen. We asked another writer named M.T. Anderson to give us his idea. He writes science fiction books for kids and teens. Some of his books are Feed, The Astonishing Life of Octavian Nothing, and a series of books called Pals in Peril. Let's listen to Charlie's question one more time before we hear M.T. Anderson's answer. The important thing to remember is that this will happen unimaginably far in the future. Let's put it in perspective. The dinosaurs died out about 65 million years ago. 65 million years. And as Dr. O'Meara says, the Earth will probably meet its end about 5 billion years from now. So that means that the length of time between now and the end of the world is about 77 times as long is the length of time between when the dinosaurs roamed the Earth and the day you were born, Charlie. Think about how much life has changed on Earth since then. Just the last 65 or 100 million years, totally different animal species walked through the forest then than now. Lizards ruled the Earth. Mammals like us were not very important yet. Humans didn't even exist. Everything was different. Now, imagine the changes that will take place in 77 times that amount of time. Think about what amazing new creatures will be walking the Earth even just 100 million years from now. Maybe humankind will no longer be the most important species. Maybe we will have moved on to other worlds or changed beyond recognition. Maybe some other species will have risen up and created their own civilizations. If I were a betting man, I'd put my money on the cockroaches or the tardigrades, but that's just me. I guess what I'm saying is, by the time five billion years roll past, we don't even know what life will be living on Earth and how it will feel. It may be that the descendants of humankind will live spread across the galaxy. The news of Earth's demise will sound to them like the news that your great-great-grandmother's house has been knocked down. Ah, oh, too bad, but you don't really remember it anyway. Or maybe the race that follows us will return from the stars to observe the final catastrophe ringed around the sun and pay a final homage to the world that gave them birth. They'll watch the star that warmed us and fed us finally devour our ancient home. And maybe they'll even say a few words in memory of us, those who went before them, in whatever language they speak, clicking digitally or emitting odors through their pores. The important thing is that it's going to happen so long from now that it's hard to understand how much time will pass before then. 
And the most important thing to say is that it's great that people like you are asking tough questions like this. Only by thinking about all these possibilities will humanity continue to survive and flourish. So remember, Charlie, that you yourself and other kids your age, you are the future of the human race. You all are the hope of the future. So thank you for thinking about what's to come. Do you have an idea about what the end of the world might feel like? Is that something that seems interesting and fun to you or a little bit scary? Or maybe Charlie's question and our friend's answers make you think of another question. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer on But Why, or if you want to tell us what you imagine about the end of the world, record your question or comment and send it to us at questions at butwhykids.org. You're going to need some help with that, so ask an adult. You can record a question using the memo function on a smartphone. And be sure to tell us your first name, how old you are, and what town you live in. We have a lot more detailed instructions at butwhykids.org. While you're there, let us know what you think about this show. But Why is produced by Melody Beaudet and me at VPR, Vermont Public Radio. Our theme song is by Luke Reynolds. We also heard Space Drum by David Zetze in today's show. We'll be back in two weeks with a program about music and how it makes us feel like moving. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.